Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. My name is Trevor and I'm joined by Meg. Hello everyone. We just heard from Sal with Out of the Pan and she finished with Next Time by Marie Wilson. And today we are talking about... The Orca Revolution. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, But before we get into it, there is something quite serious that I want to speak about. Um, Today is the, the, um, when we're recording this and when it's being listened to live, uh, today is Hiroshima Day. And we would like to acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of innocent civilian victims uh, that were killed and traumatised uh, in the bombing of Hiroshima, at the city of Hiroshima, and then shortly after the bombing of the city of Nagasaki. Mm. Uh, so I think it's very important to understand that there was a lot of suffering and a lot of loss uh, when uh, the Allies bombed these two Japanese cities. Uh, and in my personal opinion, it was completely unjustified. But I guess that's another show yeah Yeah. is another show but yes worth mentioning today definitely and on a lighter note uh tuesday this coming tuesday the 8th of august is international cat day so uh if you have a kitty cat uh give it some extra love um and yeah just spread awareness about our lovely feline uh, companion animals and um the importance of treating them well yeah, I didn't even know about International Cat Day. Neither did I. In fact, Sally of Out of the Pan told us and I had to look it up and yes, indeed it is. Yeah, so, thanks, Sal. Thanks, Sal. Absolutely. Okay, so on to what I think is an absolutely fascinating show because I've gone down the rabbit hole for this and I want everyone else to go down the rabbit hole with me. So It's been Trev- fascinating in the news. Oh. Like People have been really talking about it over the last couple of months. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's something that has been so fascinating and yet there's not a lot that's known about it. But what I want to do is I want to just go into uh, – I've, I've, I've labelled this part one, two and three. So part one of the Orca Revolution is the introduction. So if you'd been living under a rock like I had a couple of months ago and you didn't know the ins and outs of, as I term it, the Orca Revolution, which is a little bit clickbaity but I, I like it, um, you might want to listen to this show because this is just an absolutely fascinating journey we're going to go on. Uh, so you might have heard about a group of orcas attacking boats um, off the Iberian coast, which is uh, the coast of Spain, uh, Portugal and Morocco, uh, which is uh, the Iberian Peninsula and which leads into the Strait of Gibraltar. So there's a group of orcas there that have been doing something that's absolutely unprecedented, a behaviour that's not ever seen in orcas before anywhere in the world. Mm. And what they've been doing is that these orcas have been attacking uh, boats in this area uh, in particular yachts and ships and sailing ships, etc. They've been doing this strategically. So they've been attacking from behind. So they've come from the stern. Um, they have attacked a particular part of the ship, which is the rudder. They can attack wow. it multiple times until it's damaged or until the, uh, the boat stops and then they go away. So wow. it's an absolutely orchestrated stepwise oh, – orchestrated. <laughs> Did you hear what I said there? <laughs> I had to get that joke in. It's an absolutely orchestrated um, stepwise strategic attack on boats yeah. and it has left scientists and observers absolutely baffled. 
And so we, it seems like they definitely want the boats to stop moving. They want the boats to stop moving. Because that's their goal. That's moving. when they stop attacking. It seems to be. Um, and obviously, a lot of what we're talking about is conjecture because even the experts who are, who are um, experts in whale behaviour are not sure what's happening. They don't understand what's happening. Uh, we're gathering data as we speak. Scientists and observers are gathering data as we even speak here. And they're trying to determine exactly what's happening. And obviously the main thing is, why are the orcas doing this? And we're going to go into a little bit of, um, you know, some of the theories that have been put forward today. Uh, and my personal theory as a filthy, filthy armchair casual, um, <laughs> but it has some compelling evidence um, of what I think is a possible reason for them doing this, um, which we'll, we'll go into a little bit later. But what I wanted to do, <laughs> so... Orcas, also known as killer whales, have a little bit of a reputation in the general, you know, in mainstream uh, society as essentially being the jerks of the ocean. Um, and I want to put together, like, we've got a bit of a sound bite I want you to listen to. And I want you to sort of have a look at it from the music perspective, the voice perspective, what the uh, announcer says, and analyse what how you think you might come away uh, thinking about orcas and, and what they are to the ocean. Orcas, often known as killer whales, they stalk the oceans of the world, living up to their infamous name. They hunt in groups and use language to communicate. With their high intelligence, they leave a trail of terror in their wake. Now, it's they and not their prey who are threatened. Have a listen to that. It's essentially... The killer whales, jerks of the ocean type of uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, sound. And, I mean, how does that make you feel about orcas? It almost you know? sounded like a Hollywood movie. Yeah, like, demonizing. Yeah. It's the killer. Coming the killer in cinemas near ocean. you, like like a Jaws <laughs> promo or something. Yeah, and so that kind of portrayal of orcas um, really, uh, I think it really um, influences the way that we look at orcas and probably puts a bit of a lens on um, the actions of orcas. So, you know, if you had a look at this, uh, you know, orcas attacking whales uh, in this particular area and you looked through the lens of, you know, orcas the jerks of the oceans, you might just go, oh, well, they're just being jerks. Like, why are they doing that? They're just doing it for fun. Who cares, you know? But the really, the really interesting thing is, okay, so I'm going to use the word cetacean during the show. Now, the meaning of the word cetacean is a it's used for a group of sea-dwelling mammals, including uh, whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Uh, so cetaceans, including orcas, which is a type of whale, um, are extremely intelligent. Now, these animals use sound as a predominant, predominantly sound as a means of communication. Mm. And if you think about it, the ocean is huge and um, the way that they are communicating with their fellow whales is through sound because they often can't see uh, the other whale because mm. it's a huge distance. And think about it. Um, when, we, when we talk about whales and we talk about uh, them as an animal – do we really see how intelligent they are? Do we really see how complex their societies are and their cultures? Just to put you into perspective, whales have calls and they also have songs. And both the calls and the songs essentially comprise a language. Mm. Now, each language is different for each whale, but also, interestingly, each language or each uh, song type is different for each population. And each song can actually be uh, transferred from population to population. In fact, one of the experts that I'm also going to mention, Michelle Fournay, who I've mentioned on this, on this show before, she has pointed out that she observed a single song go from one side of the planet to the other through populations, travelling and being um, transferred from one population to the other. Wow. And that's a very interesting thing. Now, the next sound clip that we want to actually uh, show you uh, is something that uh, an intelligent creature uh, is something that you would think an intelligent creature would do. And it's all about mimicry. And remember, orcas communicate by sound. I want you to listen to this and then we're going to go into a little bit about it afterwards. But take a, take a listen to this. <coughs> bye bye. <coughs> Bye-bye. 
Hello? Hello? One, two. One, two. One, two. Bye bye. Bye bye. I wanted to introduce that soundbite to you without actually giving you an idea of what was going on. I wanted you to make up your own mind there and I wanted you to have a listen so you could hear the human voices. So saying words and in one part it was actually a, um, a human voice going uh, and, the, uh, and the orchid mimicking them. But if you can see, the mimicry was amazing. Yeah, now, that was incredible. Mimicry of human voices for orcas is not a natural behavior, not a natural behavior at all. Humans and orcas um, really don't, we don't occupy the same environments normally, naturally. So this kind of mimicry is something that is a learned behavior. And a learned behavior like that indicates a very high degree of intelligence. Now that's setting the scene basically for a, to show you just how intelligent these creatures are and and to set the scene of is this really just play what's going on here and we just want to I want to move on to basically to show you um, that there are two main theories as to the reason why these orcas are attacking boats so one of the main theories and these, and the, these theories are put forward by uh, whale behavior experts and observers and scientists across the world The first main theory is that um, one of the whales has suffered a traumatic injury in the past uh, due to a boat and this is their way of gaining revenge or stopping the danger and keeping it away from other orcas and keeping them safe. The other theory is that this is actually a play behaviour by a group of orcas. Now, here's where it gets really intriguing. Now, some people may or may not know this, but there's actually a ringleader. There's a ringleader to this whole thing. And her name is White Gladys. I think that was one of our trivia questions exactly. on the radio, wasn't it? And would you believe the actual trivia question was what got me into this whole thing, this <laughs> obsession, which is what took me down that rabbit hole. So, yeah, White, White Gladys, uh, who is an adult orca, she's approximately 10 to 12 years old, has been leading a gang of young orcas. Now, there they would be about teenage years. She's been leading them in these attacks. And it seems that she's been teaching them how to target the boats effectively. So she's been shown, so urban, observers and scientists have documented this, uh, this method of attack, as I mentioned, and she is showing them how to do this. So at first it started with a few, and then she recruited more, and then those orcas seem to have been able to teach other orcas. Mm. Now, this transmission of this particular type of behaviour, not only is it uh, this behaviour unprecedented, but the transmission of this from adult whale to, you know, teenage whale is also unprecedented. So there's several things that are happening here that are very new. It's Mm. not something that scientists have observed before. So, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think um, in my filthy casual, you know, perspective, uh, which is in no way, I'm in no way an expert on this. Um, I, I have a biological science degree, but it is in no way to do with whale behavior or, you know, <laughs> whale language or anything like this. Um, the second theory that scientists have put forward that this is p- play behavior, I don't personally think holds water. And I'll give you a number of compelling things and compelling reasons as to why I think that. And I think that the the trauma that these whales have suffered has more to do with it than anything else. But it might not be an individual orca that suffered a traumatic experience or maybe that's set it off. But I think there's a broader perspective here, a broader story that needs to be told. Um, And I will tell that to you uh, during this show Um, and I'll tell you why I think that we aren't giving the orcas the credit that they deserve and we're also not perhaps looking in the right places. Now, I think maybe we should go to a song at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to announce that, um, Trev? Yeah. So the first song is from some vegan musicians, actually, some local vegan musicians called Counting Backwards. And this first song is called Ice.
Something similar to despair And the police and the planners and the teachers helped take her there Crawled away from loneliness and made it something similar to despair Cheryl and Troy have been married for more than 25 years. They spent 10 of those years living on the streets of Melbourne addicted to heroin. In a groundbreaking collaboration, photographer and writer Ali MC conveys the couple's compelling narrative in an audio-visual installation and photographic audiobook. H, A Love Story launches at Richmond Library on Wednesday, August 9 at 6.30pm. Entry is free and all are welcome. H, A Love Story, a project about love, heroin and homelessness on the streets of Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. Wondering how to pay your donation to 3CR Radiothon? It's easy. You can pay online at 3cr.org.au or call us any weekday with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash or card. Or simply post your cheque or money order to PO Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. Before the break, you heard the track called Ice by Counting Backwards, a local vegan group. And we're going to be playing another two tracks from Counting Backwards um, when our break's for the show. So you'll get to hear a few more songs of them. It, my name's Trev and this is Meg, who I'm joined by. Absolutely. And we're talking about uh, the Orca Revolution today. We're on to part two and I've labelled this part Soundscapes and Languages. Mm. So, in part one, I talked about the two main theories attempting to explain the reasoning behind these recent orca attacks on boats. Now, these theories have been come up, they've been posited by uh, scientists, whale behaviorists, etc. But there isn't a lot of evidence at this point to indicate either of them are the actual truth behind it all. So, these are just theories at the moment. We really don't have enough information to to make a decision about what exactly is going on. Um, now, I think that the re- reason one, so this uh, is the f- first reason is the um, traumatic attack on an individual whale. Uh, mm. So, maybe a boat hit them or they were, you know, sliced by a propeller or, um, or something like that. This 
is one of the theories that is, um, you know, has been put into play about why this is happening. And the second theory is that the orcas are just playing. Now, one of the reasons why I think that the um, the play theory is not as good as the as the uh, the traumatic theory is I think it's far more likely that there's there's been trauma and that these uh, orcas are actually reacting to that trauma. But I also think that the individual trauma of an individual whale, an orca, does not tell us the whole picture. And I think the whole picture is actually the very reason why we need to learn more about these animals, their natural environments and their interactions with each other and with this human-affected environment. So what I'm about to tell you is probably going to blow your mind. It's an, it's an amazing journey so far, but it gets even weirder and it gets even more complex. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we like, right? Okay, so picture this. The ocean is a huge soundscape. It's a three-dimensional, constantly changing sound environments that marine creatures live their entire lives in. And cetaceans, remember those are the aquatic mammals including whales, dolphins and porpoises, communicate almost exclusively with each other by sound, Mm. as do many ocean-going creatures. So whales, including orcas, are known to have specific calls and even songs that change over time and are passed from whale to whale and from population to population, and also from generation to generation. Yeah, wow. So this is something that could be considered cultural. Mm. Um, Their language, and it is language by so many parameters, um, is complex. It conveys a lot of information, and it's crucial to communicating regarding feeding, mating, and location. But many scientists, including ecoacoustic scientist Dr. Michelle Fournay, thinks there's actually a far more complex thing that's occurring than just the basics. So our ocean soundscapes have become progressively more polluted by human activity. With a massive increase in ocean noise due to human ocean traffic since the 1960s, the effective call distance of whales has dramatically decreased, Mm. sometimes by as much as 90%. since this increase in sound pollution in the oceans. And it has meant that instead of being able to call over whole ocean bodies to each other, which could be halfway across the planet, whales have been reduced down to communicating within much, much smaller areas. Now, you can imagine, um, you know, you're, uh, you're talking in a noisy pub, right? And we... You know, in a quiet environment, you could call across um, a paddock or you could call across a property or something and say hi to someone. But you can't do that in a noisy pub, can you? Another thing that you can't do in a noisy pub is have a very complex philosophical conversation. Mm. You can't do that. You're, You're limited to short, sharp and loud conversation that's quite simple and quite dumbed down. Now, imagine the entirety of the whale population and the whale cultures having to dumb down their conversation constantly. And this is how they now conduct themselves Mm. in the oceans. And you can imagine that that's going to significantly affect them. It's going to significantly affect their lives, their mating habits, their locations, their communication, their ability to actually locate where each other are. Yeah, Um, It's it's pretty significant. And I don't think we can actually – I don't think we can over-exaggerate how significantly uh, whales have been affected by human noise pollution in the oceans. But it gets even weirder. We've got to go down the rabbit hole a little bit further. And we're going to take you a little bit further down the rabbit hole after that. See, research has indicated that the increase in human noise pollution from cargo and passenger ships, mining and military actions and many other human ocean activities has decreased not only the range of the whales' calls and songs, but also the frequency and the complexity of their sounds. As we said, the human equivalent of that conversation in a pub. Um, So Dr. Forday, in her research on humpback whales, which are a different species but communicate in a very similar fashion, um, likens the change to call types to speaking in this, um, uh, you know, as a person in a quiet setting versus a noisy setting, which we mentioned And the quieter, more intimate environments, the two speakers can easily hear each other and carry on a conversation with complete sentences. In a louder environment, for example, a live music performance, two people speaking will likely use shorter sentences, speak much louder and project more to be heard above the loudness of the music. How do we know of this decrease in call frequency and complexity, though? 
There's actually two ways, and these are documented ways. How do we know that this is the the uh, the noise has changed the whale language? So we've got recordings of whales made in Alaska in the 1960s and 1970s, um, and these have been analysed and researched, and they definitely are different to the whales communicate that communicate today. In the same area. In the same area, right. exactly. Now, okay, of course you can say, well, Megan, hang on a sec. Language evolves over time. Perhaps this language that they've had, the whales, has evolved over time. That's a possibility, absolutely. But number two is more compelling. Now, this number two basically is because of what happened uh, that changed the whales, the humpback whale, uh, how they spoke to each other uh, from 2020 to a period of one to two years. Now, anybody who's sitting here listening can think about what happened in 2020 and went on for approximately one to two years. What was that? It's the global pandemic. And what happened in the ocean Mm. during that global pandemic was unprecedented. And that sort of launches us into part three. And I think we can go on ahead and talk a little bit about part three and then we'll go into the music a little bit later. What do you reckon, Trev? Yeah, happy to. Yeah, absolutely. So part three, which I've labelled uh, silence and then rebellion. <laughs> and I think Trev's got a bit to say about this one as well because we've had to talk about this off the show. And I think I'd, I'd really love to hear what uh, what Trev has to say in a second. Okay, so in part two, we talked about the complexity, frequency and distance capacity of whale calls and songs being affected by human noise pollution and how this has been increasing this noise pollution and by inference increasingly affecting these cetacean communities over the decades. Now back to how we know that whale communication has been affected. So there's a case as I mentioned of humpback whale recordings taken in the 1960s and 70s in Alaska. Um, Now they've studied this and they've compared it to today and this is the first indicator. So again as we mentioned uh, there is more of a complexity uh, they are calling more frequently frequently and they're not calling and they're not calling in a shouty way during that's these today nights. or that was during the that's pandemic? in the past in the 60s and 70s oh right in the past yeah that whale yeah, call that was, was definitely uh different than yeah. what it is today um that was the first indicator that something changed but then what happened was into the pandemic now, just to give you a little bit of an idea of the timeline, uh, the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic in March of 2020. Uh, and this timeline is important, uh, so stick with me. As a consequence of regulations and lockdowns across the globe, shipping traffic declined significantly with some busy areas experiencing up to a 70% reduction in shipping activity. Yeah, now, you can imagine that a 70% reduction in volume of noise in the ocean would be a significant factor and would affect um, you know, whales during this time. What affects their ability to communicate and exactly. increases their ability to communicate. Yeah. Now, What scientists discovered during this time of quiet was absolutely astounding and it really does show that the sound that we create, that humans create in the ocean, is absolutely affecting them and absolutely affecting their communication. So as we said, not only – and this is is not to do with the past now. This is to do with that quiet period of time during the – during the pandemic when all of these ships basically ground to a halt. Um, Now, again – same thing as what happened in the past. Now we see not only did the frequency of calls and songs increase, but so did the complexity. Yeah, back to 1960s and 70s level. Wow, how amazing! Again, it's like that noisy pub. Suddenly, these whales could actually speak to each other and perhaps speak to each other again across half the planet. Yeah, and that would have significantly increased their ability to simply conduct their lives. Um, so, the, yeah, the whales were basically talking normally again. Um, and like they probably had, you know, pre-industrialised shipping. Now, the global shipping traffic peak declined in April of 2020. So the globe, the oceans of the globe were perhaps their quietest in April of 2020 since they had been in 50 years. So everything had hushed down 
And many of these orcas, so I think the, I don't quote me on this, I think the average age of an orca is about 60 to 80 years. So many of these orcas in existence now had never heard the ocean as quiet as they heard it mm. in the peak of that quiet of April 2020. Now, again, the timeline is really important. Stick with me because you're gonna, your mind is going to be blown. So the world's oceans were at the quietest. And now back to the attack, the orca timeline attack. Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Now, the first attack that we know of that we document that has been documented um, was in May of 2020, only a month, a mere month after what had been arguably one of the quiet period, periods in the last 50 years in the ocean, as we said. Uh, now, many of the living orcas, as we said, they've never experienced this. It's pretty darn compelling and coincidental that the first attacks occurred a month after that quietest period and as the sound was starting to ramp up. Mm. It is very compelling. Now, you were telling me in the, the break that you thought, well, what about this? You know, there was a bit of conjecture. <laughs> yeah. and, and listen, this is all conjecture, but it's all exciting conjecture. But tell me about your conjecture. Well, I was just going to say, so obviously what you said earlier was when, they, when they're doing these attacks, they do it until the boat stops. Yes. So that's sort of their, it looks to be their goal is to stop the boat from moving. And if they, I'm guessing that they would have seen more boats moving means more noise. And they're obviously trying to stop, well, maybe not obviously, but it seems likely that they're trying to stop the noise by stopping the boats. We can right, reasonably and rationally infer that that might be a... One yeah, possible reason. One possible yeah. reason, a driver. Yes. It's, it seems like a likely one, or at least yeah. it sort of matches up, but obviously, yeah, I'm not an expert. But Neither am I. But <laughs> it seems like that's what they're trying to do. Um, and I was thinking, just thinking about behavioural coincidence, what if... What if maybe White Gladys had attacked a boat in March or April, just or even accidentally attacked a boat and mm. seen them stop and then witnessed this quiet ocean period and then thought, well, that worked and maybe I should do it again and do it more often and try and get the quiet ocean back. So mm. who knows? I mean, that's they say that the first reported ones were in May. But maybe there was some that didn't get reported. We don't or, know. Or maybe it wasn't yeah. a complete attack. Maybe it was just yep. they thought that they affected it some way. But I guess I'm just wondering how much they're reacting versus how much they think they might have influenced it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And there is an inference. And, I mean, we know that whales can infer from the research that has been conducted. So there is there is a capacity for inference in orcas and in whales in general. Absolutely. Because otherwise they have no idea why things went quiet. So they're no. going to have their own reasons why they think things no. went quiet, whether it was just a coincidence or an accident. Yeah. But they might think they had something to do with it. And if they do, that might be a reason why they're now yeah. ramping up and teaching others how to do this to try and achieve a quiet again. Or it yeah. might not be that. It might just be that they really enjoyed the quiet for the first time in 50 or so years and they're just thinking, what, else, what can we do to, <laughs> to keep that quiet? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is quite, uh, it's quite within the realm of possibility that the orcas are aware of what causes the noise, i.e. the ships. And it's very interesting to note that the ships that they are attacking are the ships that they can damage. Now, it's no use for them to attack a, a cruise liner, a huge cruise mm. liner or a huge cargo ship. They're attacking ships that they know that they can damage. That's another fact that we can see. The attacks are occurring on these ships that, that physically can be damaged by the orcas. They don't seem to be attacking anything that's larger than that that damage can't be done on. Now, again, we can infer our own human sort of drivers onto that, but that simple fact is there for everyone to make their own, you know, conclusions from. Yeah. Um, now, just to, to that point, it's interesting to note. Um, so the most of the ships that they're attacking are actually yachts. Now, who owns yachts? <laughs> Let's get into that a little bit. <laughs> and I just want to get into the whole um, meme thing about it. So who owns yachts? It's mostly rich people. 
Now, yeah. it is very interesting, all of the memes that have, go- that have gone around the internet. And, um, listener, if you haven't actually seen these memes, uh, look up Orca Revolution memes or Orca <laughs> memes uh, on the internet and you'll be thoroughly entertained. Um, but there is kind of likening, um, and this is this is the the tongue in cheek, you know, reason for the for why I've called this show the Orca Revolution. Um, you know, we, they've got uh, memes of our Orca comrades, you know, uh, taking up the fight in the oceans against the one percent, and mm. you know, all of these sorts of things. And it's kind of cool to actually, uh, you know put our own values onto that humorously. Um, you know, it's probably not what's going on. <laughs> but there is a possibility that they're in, in their own way. They are simply fighting to survive mm. and this is what they're doing. And, um, you know, you mentioned that maybe they thought they were the reason for that quiet. But then the other thing that could be happening is that when that quiet happened and then when it started to ramp up again, which is when the attacks started to occur or the mm. documented attacks that we know started to occur, um, that they just got angry. And to be quite honest, they got sick of our shit mm. and they started attacking. That is absolutely within the realm of possibility that this is this is what is occurring. Yeah. Um, it sort should- of reminds me actually of people might have seen a completely different but a similar case when you see rainforest being bulldozed and you see like a gorilla or orangutan yes. or someone trying to, you know. Fighting back. Fighting back and like. Yeah trying to stop the destruction in its i know it's not you know the, the shipping isn't dis- destroying the ocean in the same way but it is destroying their ability to inhabit like it's really mm. affecting their quality of life it's affecting their quality of life it's affecting their communication but it's actually also physically affecting their health mm. so if you can't hunt effectively if you can't mate effectively if you can't communicate with your loved ones effectively and find them um and as we all know whales are social creatures they need to communicate with their loved ones they work as a team when they hunt they 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 live in packs you know they live in pods mm. um this is a very important part of not just their mental but their physical health as well yeah. that's being affected. Um, so, yeah, it is. It, it, it could be a case of, you know, a similar thing that's what, ha- what happens with the apes and the orangutans where you know, we've seen quite distressing videos of uh, orangutans getting up on the, um, the tractors mm. and trying to fight the people who are, you know, literally destroying where they live, yeah, you exactly. know, destroying their homes. And who knows? I mean, one thing that we can say is, oh, don't anthropomorphize. Uh, you know, don't put any complexity onto these creatures that you, um, you know, that you don't actually know is a fact. But on the other hand, don't simplify it down and don't dumb down a creature that you that we know to be quite intelligent. Mm. We should not give them, uh, you know, these amazing, possibly fictional backstories, but we should also not discredit what could possibly be happening. And that's a really important take home from this show. You know, regardless of what's happening with the whales, this is an action that they're undertaking and the action has consequences. And the reasoning behind that is an important thing that we need to find out. Why mm. are they doing this? Because if it is literally in reaction to the terribleness that is we are, you know, putting into their homes, we have a responsibility as stewards of this planet to do something about that. So, yeah. Yeah, you would hope anyway. Absolutely. I think we should go to another song, another song. by Counting Backwards. Yep. So, yeah, Counting Backwards, um, if you are liking what you're hearing of them, they've got a band camp, which is countingbackwards.bandcamp.com. This second song is called The End of History. Leningrad before the peace So many lost to the pursuit of a single dream Some pulled through on the leaves that collected on the street Others fought to eat the ones they found frozen in their sleep Because they couldn't, they didn't have a name Perpetual loop and based on repeat 
Science Week again, and that can only mean one thing. Yes, it's the Lost in Science Trivia Night. Monday the 14th of August, 7pm at the Carring Bush Hotel in Abbotsford. Come early for dinner, bring a team, win prizes, show off your brains, and raise money for science on the radio. Send an email to book your table to lostinsci at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-I-N-S-C-I at gmail.com and we will sort you out for tickets lost in science trivia night monday the 14th of august remember to tune in each thursday at 8 30 a.m for all your sciencey goodness VCR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. Before the break, you heard our second song from Counting Backwards, which was called The End of History. And we've been talking about orcas today, the orca revolution. Yes. Fascinating story that it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought um, I would continue uh, on this same vein. Um, So, you know, just talking about the impact of of sound uh, pollution in our oceans Um, and just go, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Now, um, as I said, the first theory was of a traumatic event that happened in particular, perhaps White Gladys, who was the ringleader of this, you know, entire set of attacks. Mm. I just want to point out at this point um, that – White Gladys, the ringleader, shows no physical sign of trauma or injury on her body. None of the observers or scientists can detect any signs of injury on her, uh, at least injury consistent with a boat collision or a rotor, um, you know, Mm. cutting through her or anything like that. That's not to say that it hasn't happened and that there's perhaps internal injuries or, you know, maybe Mm. it wasn't something that actually caused her um, permanent injury and it could have happened, but there is no evidence at the moment physical that we can see um, to back that uh, up that individual yeah. trauma hypothesis, and so that's or again at least from a physical related from way. a physical point of view exactly yeah. yeah. So I mean, basically, what I'm trying to say is, with all of this kind of rabbit hole that we've been going down today, there is a distinct a distinct possibility that Gladys and her band of Mariorca youths are directly reacting to the resumption of the stressful, confusing and health-affecting noise pollution that occurs that's occurred when ships began to move again after that unprecedented period of pandemic inactivity. Now, we were just talking in the break, Trev, you were, you know, just sort of talking about the impact of, you know, ocean pollution and perhaps how yeah. it's not as known as, as, say, pollution on land and, and on that sort of thing. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Well, yeah, just I guess I was thinking that since humans have been doing more and more, especially from the Industrial Revolution in terms of affecting many parts of the earth and our environment, like we've been uh, having a, a larger effect, I guess, on landscapes, on sound, on light. Like there's, there's, so, yeah. many, there's so many yeah, parts of our well. societies that actually contribute in some way, whether that's negative or positive is a judgment call, but you can't deny that our societies and our growing populations and civilizations are affecting what the world was before that and they're changing that Mm. so that's that's things like light pollution sound pollution actual physical pollution so waste you know plastic things like that um also yeah air pollution from from fumes there's also obviously 
you know, climate change. Um, so there's, there's so many different things that we're doing as a species that are impacting the environment that every other animal mm. is in. And maybe we're just, you know, I, I, don't, I think it's clear that we're not, we weren't aware of the full extent of what we're doing, how it would impact the environments of other animals. And we're sort of learning as we go. And some things are more obvious and some things aren't. And maybe sound pollution in the ocean is one that sort of snuck up on us and we didn't think was a big deal or we didn't even, yeah. weren't even aware how much of a deal it would be. And now this might be a bit of an eye-opener to say, how damaging is it when... Because I'm, I, what you're saying to me and what you've described as what's happening to me, it seems like imagine if everywhere I went, there was a construction site, yes. like constantly. Yeah. Every single place I went to outside my home like right outside my bedroom, where I go to work, where I go to eat, where I go shopping. Mm. Like if, if there was just constant construction noise, like jackhammers and things all the time, yeah, that would be really draining. Like that would just yeah. affect my mental health, I, I can imagine. It would affect your physical health through your mental health yeah. as well. Yeah. So I'm thinking that seems like a, a very crude analogy of what we might be putting all ocean life through Yes. since this industrial revolution, you know, really ramped up 60, 50 years ago, whatever it was. And we might be seeing some of the, like it might even feel like a, a war to some of these animals. Like they might mm. be feeling really threatened and they might feel like they do have to fight back. And maybe this is just, you know, maybe other animals have tried to fight back and maybe this is just one that's caught our attention. Exactly. And I, I, I do want to point out the fact is that um, the general population really wouldn't know a lot about sound pollution in the ocean. And I think that the fact that uh, the orcas have started attacking boats has perhaps made us look at this sort of thing. What are the reasons they're doing this? Is mm. this one of the reasons? What is the deal with ocean pollution, ocean sound pollution? Um, you mentioned light pollution as well. Uh, a lot of people don't realise that, um, you know, migratory patterns and nocturnal animals and uh, on land, these have all been affected by light pollution. Again, yeah. it's something that people don't think about. I mean, even if we take... If we take nothing from this orca story other than the fact that the orca behaviour has highlighted the human impact on these sea creatures. Exactly. I think on that's the world, an important thing. In, on the in, world, absolutely. In as well, yeah. And um, it's also important to note that uh, it isn't just whales, uh, that in fact many, many sea creatures, in fact the majority of sea creatures are reliant upon sound as a means of communication for so many areas of their lives. And here's a really interesting thing, actually, and a lot of people don't realise this. So you know how there's a bit of a dawn chorus, uh, you know, here on a, on, on land. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, there's birds chirping, you can hear mm. the activity of things. There's actually a dawn chorus in the ocean. It's been recorded. And right. we know that sound increases from these sea creatures uh, when daylight comes along. And remember, as I spoke, um, the, the, basically the ocean is a 3D soundscape mm. and, and, and it's, this, it's this thing that is so important. So, yeah, it, it's so absolutely interesting and absolutely fan, fan, uh, fascinating. But I just want to go, I kind of want to go into something a little bit um, before we go and uh, a few other things and then just I want to point out something really freaky <laughs> as well uh, that occurred to me when I was researching this and I made a prediction and yes we'll, we'll go into that but um, yeah so just to repeat Gladys is no longer the only adult involved in these attacks so at first it was Gladys teaching these teenagers and these merry bands of teenagers going about doing these things it, there's now horizontal transmission of this learned behavior so an adult has taught another adult and it's gone on. So there's yeah. more than one adult doing these attacks now. And also just on that, you've got to think that it's got to be more than just trauma to one orca if so many other now adults are, absolutely are willing. willing to copy and replicate yeah. and do this. I, you know, they wouldn't do that, I, I, I don't think. You know, obviously I don't know, maybe, mm. but it seems unlikely that they would just do that because they're asked. You would think they would do it like obviously by another because way you know, a reason. because they yeah. agree with the reason or they agree yes. with the result or they agree with something yes. and they've been you know easily or difficultly convinced whatever mm. the case may be to think that it's a good idea to continue doing it yes so it makes that makes me think that it's more likely to be something that affects 
orca populations in general, in general rather than just one specific orca that got traumatized maybe that was the catalyst for them being the yes. first or the, the pioneer of this but i don't think that you know orcas only do this if they're traumatized by mm. a direct incident with a boat that doesn't seem to be likely yeah no i i actually happen to agree with you i do have to point out however that uh a number of years ago, there was a fashion in inverted commas for orcas to wear dead fish on their heads. Yeah. So whether whether that was actually something serious or whether it was simply folly, we don't know. But so we do know fad. it could be a fad. Right. Absolutely. And it could be it – gets, it's getting back to that play thing. Yeah. It could be a play thing. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of compelling evidence that indicates that something other than play is at play. Uh, and but we will have to. I mean, this is an ongoing thing. We just don't know where it's going to go. We don't know what evidence is going to be is coming up. Mm. Uh, we don't know what other facts are coming to light. So we just have to keep an eye on this situation and look at it from the idea that something is up. Let's take this seriously. And when we find out what's happening, take appropriate action if there is any action to, that needs to be taken. Which gets me into the uh, really freaky bit. I want to end this on on the note of uh, freakiness. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as I said, so about to, I think it was uh, late June, to about June of twenty um, June twentieth of June, um, I made a series of public posts um, about this because I'd gone down the rabbit hole. I wrote a veritable novel on this entire situation. This is two months ago? About two months ago, yeah. yeah. So um, but a little bit less than two months ago, 20th of June, 20th of July. Yeah, so about just, yeah, um, yeah, just less than two months ago. I made a prediction. Now, it was two parts to this prediction. And the prediction was, and this is the exact words that I said, I don't think that this will be contained within the current orca pods the behaviour is seen in now. I think it will spread to other orca populations. I also don't think it will stop at orcas. There's a chance that other whales may join in if they come to understand what's happening. Mm. Now, that was the exact words of my prediction. Now, a mere, I think it was eight hours later, it was mere hours later, breaking news uh, came about that there was an orca attack um, about 4,800 kilometres away from the Iberian coast in the northern waters off the coast of Shetland Island in Scotland. Same strategy, attack from the rear, attack the rudder, stop when you when the boat is, is stationary. Uh, and I was blown away. Yeah, wow. I was absolutely blown away. I mean, I was witnessing this transmission of learned behaviour in real time. Now, it begs the question, how did these orcas find out? Was it... Was it <laughs> calls half an ocean away was it actual transmission from orca to orca in person how did this happen i mean there's more questions than we have answers at the moment but the fact is that i'd gone i'd gone so far down the rabbit hole and i make made a prediction that was that actually came true the second half of that prediction hasn't come true by the way <laughs> no other uh, whales except orcas but who knows who knows what's going to happen but i just wanted to sort of um conclude the whole thing and I, I basically you know and we we often say this on our shows but we've got such a way to go to understand animals in their lives and we're continuously underestimating dismissing or ignoring behaviors that we can't rationalize it's mm. a really important one um, or that you know points to animals such as these orcas being way more complex than we've actually ever given them credit for and personally I want to end this by saying you know Go Gladys and your merry band of rebels. <laughs> I'm with you. Go Walker comrades. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's exciting. <laughs> A couple of quick little shout outs yes. as we finish. Um, next week on Freedom of Species, Carolyn is going to be uh, joined by Jed Goodfellow from the Australia Alliance for Animals for a live interview over the phone. Fantastic. So, yeah, stick around for that next week. It'll be Sundays at one o'clock, as always, for Freedom of Species. And I just had a little plug to, to put out. If anyone listening has the ability to foster um, a big dog, so, you know, like a 40 to 50 kilo sort of dog, um, we know that there's a rescue that is really looking for help for large dogs. So if you've got an animal-free home, so no other animals, and you're willing to foster large dogs, um, please get in touch with Freedom of Species. You can send us a tweet or on Facebook or on Instagram. the email. Yep. In yep. any way, please get in touch with us um, because 
yeah, foster foster carers for dogs are really needed at the moment. So, and we'll put that email uh, on in the blurb to the uh, on the podcast when we pop it up on the website as well. Yeah. So we're going to finish this last song from Counting Backwards. is called "Blame It on the Sun." A landscape parched and forlorn Where desperate farmers scratch and claw For all that they have worked for Within the window, within the window of the dawn But he knows that he can play it on the sun Because he is the damage that's above And he knows that when the rains no longer come There'll be enough grain left for some, left for some, left for some. Jenny Craig Take your faith in gluten-free cake Cake Take it all Take it all Take it all Take it all and throw it all away When the man Come with God listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.